Welcome to Sound and Vision, that trivia-based wonder of pop culture, with your host, Marty Boston. Thank you, scary children. Yes, it is the last episode of 2019. The last episode of the decade. Oh, oh God, it is. Oh, why did you say it like that? It's horrible. That's Dan, in case you didn't know. You may be tuning in for the first time. That's my radiant co-host. Um... It's the last show of this year. It's sad, but also it's wonderful because it's Christmas time and everyone loves Christmas, right? I mean, yeah, I think most people love Christmas. Yeah, they it's do. a joyous time of year. It is. Everyone's out celebrating, drinking, eating too much, buying presents, spending time with friends and family. Mm. Do you wish it could be Christmas every day, though? I think that that would remove the exciting part of Christmas that is looking forward to it. You see, you go for the logical. I just think financially it would be a massive burden if it was every day. Well, here's the thing about Christmas, Marty. It doesn't have to be about the gifts. It doesn't have to be about the gifts. I think if we did away with gifts at Christmas, except for the gift of sound and vision, then uh, then I think everyone would be better off. No one would be stressing, I've spent this amount on this person, I've got to find the right person for this, this gift, the right gift for this person. Just chill out, go for a nice couple of pub lunches, have dinner with your family and friends on the day or whoever you choose to spend it with and have a nice relaxing time. Christmas is about friends and family. Everyone's waistline would be huge, right? That's fine, though, because if everyone's is huge, then no one's is huge. Very good logic. I like that. Okay, I'm down for Christmas every day now. Um, The way that this show works, we pick a theme each week, and this theme, funny enough, is Christmas. Both myself and Dan have chosen two films each. I will be going first, and I will give you three bits of trivia, three clues... Then a bit of music will be played, which is unrelated to the film at all. That's then your time to work out what I'm speaking about, what the film might be. We will come back. Me and Dan will have a chat about it. Dan probably hasn't seen it, but that's part of the fun at the end of the day. And then we'll go back and forth, back and forth. Dan will do his go, then I'll come back, and Dan, so two-two. Simple enough. Play along. I think I understand. Dan, have you seen any of my films this week? Um, define seen them. Uh, you've seen the start, the middle, the ending, and all the bits in between those. Oh, three. no, I've seen none of those parts, no. Cool, cool, good. Uh, hopefully you have, or if you haven't, you can guess the clues. And I'll start with my first. Filming began in December 1987, with Christmas approaching director Richard Donner asked if a production could have Christmas Day off. Paramount Pictures executives refused, insisting that filming should continue on Christmas Day. However, Donna outwitted them. <laughs> At the end of the day, on December 24, 1987, he officially fired the entire cast and crew. Two days later, on December 26, he officially rehired everyone. The break allowed for cast and crew members to spend Christmas with their families. Good. Actually, there's one thing I very much support. I don't like... Okay, let me preface this. People should have the choice to do what they want. Mm-hmm. However, there's a lot of industries that are still open on Christmas Day that don't need to be. Mm-hmm. Restaurants don't need to be open on Christmas Day. Give your staff the day off. Mm-hmm. People don't need to be going out for work on Christmas Day. Some shops are open on Christmas Day. You just don't need it. Buy them before Christmas Day. Let people have the day off. I understand there are groups of people who won't celebrate Christmas that don't necessarily want to have the day off, and that's fine. That should be their choice. But largely... No one should be working on this time. It should be about spending time together, even if not as a religious holiday, just as a sign of community. I um, I agree with the restaurant. I don't agree with the shop. Um, 
the shop, the corner shop, the classic staple corner shop, is open on Christmas Day because you have forgot something and you urgently need it. Yeah, but that's your problem, not the shopkeepers. But but that's why they get money because yeah. they're smart. They're two steps ahead. Give give people a day off on Christmas. They might have other days off. They might not work. Fire Sundays. them and then rehire them two days later. <laughs> Clue two. This was Bill Murray's first starring role since Ghostbusters in 1984. He'd been living in Paris and had seriously considered giving up acting altogether, which would have been a crying shame. I Mm. love Bill. Clue three. The names of the Christmas television shows from the IBC network of which clips were shown were Scrooge, Father Loves Beaver and The Night the Reindeer Died. And the network's promotional slogan for the television show was... You'll love it. Y-U-L-E. Yeah. Father Loves Beaver is very funny. It's a good one, isn't it? Dan, from that, just out of curiosity, would you have any inclination? I know you haven't seen it, but from those clues, do you reckon you would have got any of them? I had to look up this film because I'd never heard of it before today. (laughs) Good. Well, on that note, we'll be back after this. Imagine you, um, it's the year 88, funny enough, the year I was born, and you know, you like Christmas, but you don't actually like Christmas, that's a complete lie, the only reason why you like Christmas is because it brings in lots of money, because you're a TV exec and you have stuff going on with TV, and that's what Francis Xavier is in the situation when it comes to the film Scrooged, Scrooge, you know, play on words, screwed, Scrooge, Merge. Um, and it's Bill Murray. I, I don't. I don't feel like it needs too much explaining, other than Dan, who hasn't seen the film, and everyone else. I'm not the only person in the world who hasn't seen this film. Mm, I don't know. It's few and far in between, I think. And um, Bill Murray basically plays the role of Scrooge in a modern day era, whilst at the same time running a TV network, which is doing the original idea of a Christmas Carol, and they have all the original like costumes and look and appeal but then in the background Bill Murray's character is also dealing with a ghost of Christmas past, present and future and trying to change him into a better person. Actually ghosts? Actual ghosts. Can I can I guess something about this film? Mm. Is he recording this over the Christmas period and does he give his staff the time off? No. Oh. No, he to def- be fair, actually why would you be filming a Christmas special over the Christmas period? No, so they're doing, a, really too late. They're, doing a, they're doing a Christmas carol um, live on TV on Christmas Eve so they're, they're physically doing all of it live and they've been rehearsing this entire time and it comes to it and it's a live stage but 
prior to all of that, on Christmas Eve, he's trying to sort out his life, and that's when the three ghosts kick in and tell him, buck up your ideas, otherwise you're going to... Well, you, you're going to be buggered, um, really. Bill Murray whips out his backpack and sucks those ghosts straight up. Funny enough, the tagline for uh, this film, because this happened after Ghostbusters, as I said in one of my previous clues, was um, Bill Murray is up against ghosts again, but this time it's three versus one. Very which, nice. Which is brilliant, considering that they were playing on the fact that he was in Ghostbusters. Um, really enjoyable film, though. Good for a Christmas film, and it's my type of humour as well. It's dark. Surprisingly, it's a PG and there are a lot of moments which you quite like. There's some very overly sexualized comments in it. Um, a few naughty words are thrown in there for good measure, and it's a PG, which is really surprising considering. Mm. Um, in, in particular, there is a moment when there are dancers, um, and they are um, in very skimpy clad outfits, to say the least. And there's a moment when one of the production crew goes up to Bill Murray and says, you can see this woman's nipples. Look, you can see him. And there are two stage crew guys pervingly staring at the woman. And Bill Murray simply just turns around and says, they're having a really good look just there. And they can't see any nipples, can you, boys? And they're like, no, 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 no. And stuff like that for a PG film, mm. I feel is a, be- a little bit below the belt. But they got away with it. And again, it is a really enjoyable film. Bill Murray's in it, so that's always good. John Glover's in it as well. Um, so if, he's done many, many things, but he's most commonly known for Lionel Luther in Smallville. Um, there's other people in that as well. The long-haired guy. Yes. Yeah, okay, I've seen some Smallville. Yeah, yeah um, he's in it very young. Um, but it's a really enjoyable film. I would highly recommend it. It's very funny, very entertaining. The ghosts are really good as well. In particular, the ghost of Christmas Present is a woman who dresses up as a fairy and just knocks the hell out of Bill Murray, punching him, slapping him, kicking him downstairs. Really entertaining. And for Bill Murray, he's not really the guy who will use slapstick humour. He's not really the guy who takes the falls and gets punched and tumbles downstairs. That's not him. He's more about how he comes across vocally. So for him to do that, it was it was very different to the normal type of comedy which he does. He does a little bit of it in Ghostbusters, but not overly so. Whereas this one, he's very much a stuntman in most situations. And for him, that's a really unique situation. I think this is a very Marty pick for a Christmas film. Oh, yeah. It's not cheerful. It's not happy. Mm. It's a Bill Murray flick about a miserable, presumably single guy. He is, yeah. Yeah, I figured he would be. And it's about him turning around and becoming a happier, better Christmas person. It's a very you pick. And finding love as well. He finds yeah, love. of course. Um, yeah, I mean, back, back in my heyday, prior to me having children, I, I despised Christmas because I believed unless you have children, what's the point in doing Christmas? I didn't get why people with no children or had no relations with children over Christmas period was getting all jollied up and getting trees up and presents. And You know, you're a grown up. Get over it. You're not a kid anymore. The Christmas spirit is gone for you. Leave it for the children. But now I have children, I don't feel like that because I live Christmas through my children. To be clear, as a single man with no children, I do love Christmas. (laughs) Brighton and Hove Community Radio does not despise Christmas. No, no, no. no, They they definitely don't. Um, You know, everyone else loves Christmas. I'm just saying I'm part of the very, very small majority where prior to having children, it was a no-no for me. But that is my first choice now we're going to move on to my first choice Mm. which i wonder if people will be able to get with these not at all obvious clues (laughs) 
To be fair, the first one's not too bad. My first clue. Go on. Uh, in the commentary for this film, the creators relate a funny story from the screenings. A few children asked what the bookkeepers did wrong to get coal at the end of the film. This is because it completely slipped the minds of people making the film that Santa gives coal to naughty children. Oh. Because all the, uh, the bookkeepers get big bags of coal at the end to warm their houses. Clue number two. Uh, looking very closely in one of the crowd sequences at the start of the film, one of the uh, background characters is a lobster hanging out of a basement window. This is a reference to the line, like bad lobster in a dark cellar, one of Charles Dickens' weirder turns of phrase. Yeah, I've never heard that one. No, Charles Dickens was a strange man at times. He was. <laughs> Clue number three. Uh-huh. Before production began, Sir Michael Caine told producer and director Brian Henson, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. Henson replied, Yes, bang on. (laughs) (laughs) To which, at that point, Michael Caine went, Well, this is a mistake. Uh, Actually, just before we go on to the music, Michael Caine to this day claims this is one of the favourite roles he's ever played. I mean, I've seen this film a million times. And it's enjoyable. You can tell he enjoys it. But we'll go into that after this. Unlike Marty's film, this is set in a Victorian era, a Victorian era full of puppets. Mm. Muppets, to be precise, as one Scrooge wakes up to find it is nearly Christmas. His staff, desperate to go home and see their families, are denied. Kermit being one key member of his staff, and Scrooge spends the next evening visited by three ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. All of these represented by different Muppets. Because, of course, this is The Muppets Christmas Carol. Undoubtedly the best Christmas film to ever exist. Mm, no. It's a debatable topic, but th- yeah. this is uh, certainly one from my childhood. Definitely As with yours, Marty, this came out in my year of birth, 1992. And uh, this film tells the story of A Christmas Carol in a much more traditional setting, yes. in the least traditional way possible, with The Muppets. Gonzo and Rizzo are the two uh, the two narrators for this one. Uh, instead of having uh, just one Marley, there's Marley and Marley, the two old men who heckle throughout the Muppet Marley Show. And, and there's just a huge number of delightful characters that just make their way through this film, telling what is essentially still a very serious and often scary story, with the, particularly with the ghost of Christmas past, is mm-hmm. it? Yes, the scary ghost woman. Uh, yeah, the, the little child, which is the only one which... I don't know as a Muppet. Yeah, I don't know them either. But at any rate, this is this is a really interesting and really fun way of telling the uh, the Muppets uh, the sorry the uh, Christmas Carol story, Dickens classic, and um, it's it's fun, it's whimsical, it tells the story properly. It's got great songs to it, like Marley and Marley. Brilliant song. Oh, it's it's just so good. I, I really enjoy it. Any, anyone who's anyone knows the plot of uh, of um, yeah, Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. 
but this is just the absolute best way to tell it as far as I'm concerned. No cheeses for us Mises is something that will be said in my Christmas household every single year. And it's a film, it made me cry actually. I remember when I was a lot younger and it's the first time I saw it and it's for Tiny Tim moment. Yeah. Um, son. where you know spoilers if you haven't seen this by now or the story of a Christmas Carol when Tim dies and his his crutch is just there and it's just oh, you don't even need words for that moment mm. I got goosebumps even just saying that it was just oh. but it re- all it really does is reaffirm that how important it is you spend time with your family absolutely and I feel like with all Christmas films that is always going to be a reoccurring message even in the not so nice ones like Scrooge for example it doesn't show initially that family's important, but by the end of it, you really do get that message that comes across. I'd also like to hammer home that when we say family on the, on the radio today, that we don't necessarily mean your biological family. Family oh, no. is whoever you choose God, your no. family to be. No, I see I see my friends as my family. Um, I, I, I prefer my friends over my f- biological family. Um, so in that state, I see my friends as family. Dan is my family. Um I'm like the weird uncle yeah. that's somehow younger than you. Yeah, well, you know, it can happen. My mum's mum was... Enough about Marty's family, anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Christmas uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. If you've not seen it, it's, not, it's really hard to explain why this film is so charming, but it's, it's just it's the first uh, proper Muppets production after Jim Henson's death, uh, very sadly. Um, but it's it's just one of those films that is just, just magical for me. It really holds that Christmas spark, and I watch it every single year. Uh, there'll, there'll never be a year where I don't watch it. It's, some people watch Love Actually, some people watch The Snowman. For me, it's Muppets Christmas Carol. It encapsulates exactly how fun and exciting and also traditional and, and family-oriented that Christmas should be, and I just absolutely love it. Love Actually is mine. Every year, I'll watch Love Actually. Love Actually, fair. Muppets Christmas Carol and Die Hard, the three films I'll watch for Christmas. No but we're not going to get into the debate about whether Die Hard is a Christmas film or I'm not. I'm not going to because you'll be wrong. Um, Home Alone's not on that list. Uh, I've, I've definitely seen it a fair few times, but there's only so many films you can watch every single year. Says the man who just said you watch those three films. Yeah, three is how many I can watch. No, you can definitely watch more. No, it's a wonderful life. You ever seen that? Film? It's on my list of shame. Okay, good. But we'll be watched this year. I've confirmed that I'm going to be watching it this year because otherwise I have to wait another year to take it off the list. Admittedly, I only watched it a few years ago and I was genuinely blown away by it. It's James Stewart, which is always a whim for me. So Hitchcock's main guy from Rear Window when I spoke about prior. Um, lovely actor. Really, really nice to watch. Uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend it. But going back to Muppets Christmas Carol, as Dan said, if you haven't seen it, it's... It's just such an amazing, wonderful film. In particular, this was the era in which The Muppets came out of more and more films. So it was this, then Muppet Treasure Island with Mm -hmm. Tim Curry. Muppets in Space came out as well, which was, I don't think, a cinema release. That was a director video, but the other two definitely went on cinema. And it was just a perfect time for The Muppets. The 90s and the 80s, they really had their own moment. Yeah, the Muppets are something really special that I think this generation, there have been the new films, uh, there have been two films? Yeah, Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, so this generation didn't really get the, the Muppets TV show, they didn't get all the all the films and everything coming out, and it was, the Muppets were really, really a quintessential part of my childhood, and I think of a lot of people's childhood before mine. I, I absolutely loved it, and I don't think there is an equivalent today. No, absolutely not. Um, which is a real shame, but obviously there'll be things today that I miss, but... The Muppets are, are really, really incredible. Who's your favourite Muppet, just before we stop on this one? Um, probably Gonzo. Gonzo? Although, I, Miss Piggy, her voice just grates on me too much. I can't... Hey, Kumi! <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't deal with it. Mine's, uh, mine's Beaker. I'm absolutely... 
I'm absolutely in love with that cook. Oh, yeah, he's to just be fair, so sweet. I quite like Swedish Chef as well. <laughs> yeah, the Muppets is just fantastic. Yeah, um, I really enjoy them. Go watch Muppets Christmas Carol with your family this Christmas, whoever oh, the family is. Yeah, it's a must watch. Absolutely. Okay, that is Dan's first choice. <laughs> We'll now go on to my second. The situation that surrounded other Christmas horror movies like Silent Night, Deadly Night and Black Christmas, this film in 2015 was a hard story to sell. It wasn't until Legendary Pictures agreed to a PG-13 rating that Universal greenlit the movie. So normally when it comes to horror films of a PG-13 it normally says this is going to be a bit naff and it's surprising that studios will normally opt for a PG-13 I get it to an extent because they want more of an audience in there but normally horrors are thrown more at adults so to then ask for it as a PG-13 is an odd choice to make yeah but again I guess it's a Christmas film something you can maybe take your family to that's a bit different Mm. and also horror can be implied it doesn't necessarily have to be graphic and horrible very good point The evil toys that attacked the family include an angel ornament, a teddy bear, a -a jack-in-a-box, and a robot, similar to the evil toys in the movie Demonic Toys. Only instead of an evil angel ornament, it was an evil baby doll. Close enough. Yep. Clue three. This film is based on the Central European folklore. During the Christmas period, a horned figure described as half goat, half demon, punishes children who have misbehaved. This is the polar opposite with Saint Nick, who rewards the well-behaved with gifts. It's very, uh, very classic that the uh, the older way of doing things was through negative, uh, negative way of, instead of re- positive reinforcement. A demonic half goat, half demon will come and punish you. Or you can get nice treats if you're nice. Or if you're a bookkeeper, you get a nice bag of coal. Yeah, all that. We'll go into it after this. Imagine you're part of a dysfunctional family. Must suck. Um, And you meet up for Christmas, and you're not really a fan of Christmas. None of your family are. You've just come here because you have to, and you don't really want to be here. Um, And you're a young boy, and you write a Lester Santa prior, and you're like, sod this, Christmas isn't real, and you tear it up, and you throw it out of a window. Uh, And that really annoys a demonic force of ancient evil who sadly punishes known believers of Christmas. Uh, he comes forth and he rains hell on your family. Awkward. Uh, and you have to put aside your differences. 
and uh, fight for one another. And that's what happens in the film Krampus. A couple of things to note just before we start talking about this film. One, how bored you must be as a demon to get angry at a kid throwing a letter out a window. Clearly you have been stuck somewhere for too long and you're just looking for something to do. Well, like Santa, you've been waiting around all year for this moment. You know, all year for someone to be happy and be like, you know what, I don't have to punish him. Well done, well done, well done. But instead, you get this absolute arse who's like, sod you, Santa. Sod you, Christmas. I ain't dealing with this. That's when Krampus comes in. He's comfy in his hole and now he has to come out because some kid is rude. Fair, okay, understood. Point two, I like that straight away, even though this is a film about someone coming and ruin your house and have a go at your family, it's absolutely a Christmas film because it's a film about family coming together. Yep, absolutely. And they are very dysfunctional. Um, They are not a fan of each other. There's a brother who's in there who purely just wants to show off. The kids are constantly fighting and picking on the little one as well. Um, No one really likes each other there. But again, like I said, they feel like that they have to be there because it's Christmas and they're technically family. And it comes into the story of Krampus comes along and just destroys it all. And there's there's many moments with flashbacks um, of a particular member of the family, the, the grandma, who is the only person who knows who Krampus is because she's dealt with him prior. And they go into the story of that and there's this little artistic scene when it's all hand-drawn about her previous history, which is really nicely done as well. And Krampus leaves an ornament which is gorgeous. I'd really have it for my Christmas tree, actually. It's just a bauble, a bronze bauble, which says the name Krampus on it, but it's very old-fashioned, very nice. Um, and in the flashback, what the woman has is Krampus comes along because she doesn't respect Christmas, her family doesn't, and Krampus kills her entire family brutally and then comes into her room, smiles, gives her this, and buggers off. And so she knows what Krampus does, and now Krampus is here to do the same to the family. And you slowly see them be picked off one by one by one. There's a twist at the end as well. And the twist I'm not going to go into because this film isn't as well known as our previous other two It's also quite a newer film compared to a lot of Yeah, 2015. So it was only four years old. Um, With the ending, it's not the best, I'll be honest. Um, It's up to interpretation, which is nice. Because uh, there are two choices which you could go down. Um, most people go for the most obvious one, but there is another one which, you know, on the World Wide Web, people speculate too. But um, it is still a really enjoyable film. There's a fair few famous people in this as well, um, quite a few comedians, and there are some very funny moments in this as well. For example, with the demonic toys, you're going to get nothing but funny stuff from that. There's mm. a moment when gingerbreads are going after them with sharpened candy canes. Um, so already you get the comedy aspect from that as well. Again, with the demonic teddy bear, you're going to get funny sides to that as well. Um, you know, there's evil gnomes and elves and stuff like that. And you, you definitely get the funny aspect. But Krampus... The look of him is absolutely amazing. He's very hooded and he has the long beard coming out and you don't really see his face till right at the end, but you just see this giant statue of a beast. He reminds me of the beast in Beauty and the Beast, that type of figure, um, but with giant horns and the legs. And, oh, it's gorgeous. It's really nicely done. Um, hasn't got enough justice, to be honest, just on that alone, but really enjoyable nonetheless. Not afraid either to get rid of children in this film as well. Oh, really? Yeah, because normally they're like, well, I, I watched um, a thing about Krampus as well, and there are 12 people in this film, eight women to four men. 
and safe to say gender does not come into what Krampus does either it was very much I will take all of you if I need to and it goes into the story of that as well and why he does it it's a really enjoyable film I'd highly recommend it sounds very Christmassy yeah it is um, and you know even if it has the horror aspect of it you know you're slightly missing Halloween and you want that horror moment again well this is a perfect segue not a, as perfect as A Nightmare Before Christmas admittedly that's the perfect film that you can watch any time between October 15th till December 25th very nice mm. thanks Marty yeah so Krampus if you haven't seen it give it a watch well interestingly for my second film we've uh, we've also avoided the classic Christmas film we've gone down a slightly different route as well yes love that but I shall go through my clues uh, speaking of PG films and 13 films, this movie and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, 1984, are credited with inspiring the MPAA, the uh, American um, Rating Agency, mm-hmm. to create the PG-13 rating. Many felt the movies were too violent for a PG rating, but not violent enough for an R. Oh. Mm. At the start of this movie, uh, there is a movie theatre in town showing A Boy's Life and Watch the Skies. These were the working titles for executive producer Steven Spielberg's E.T., The Extraterrestrial, and Close Encounters of the Third Time, respectively. That's amazing. It's good, isn't it? Oh, I like that. The Santa speech provided proved to be controversial, and studio executives insisted upon its removal because they felt it was too ambiguous as to whether it was supposed to be funny or sad. Director Joe Dante, however, stubbornly refused to take the scene out, saying it represented the mo- movie as a whole, which had a combination of horrific and comedic elements. Executive producer Steven Spielberg did not like the scene, but despite his creative control, he viewed the movie as Dante's project and allowed him to leave it in. Amazing. That's really interesting that he did that as well. Mm. We'll go into it after this. for a last-minute Christmas gift for his son heads to a strange oddity shop in Chinatown and is presented by a small creature, a small furry creature that he's never seen before. The man of the shop refuses to sell it to him, but as he goes out the back, his son sells it to the father, giving him three rules. Do not expose this creature to direct sunlight, for it will die. Do not get this creature wet, and for goodness sake, do not feed this creature after midnight. The man agrees to these rules and takes the creature home to his son. A small mogwai he brings home to his son that the son calls Gizmo. Of course, this being a film, the son does not follow the rules. The creature gets wet, spawning more, and then eventually these creatures are fed after midnight, turning them into gremlins. What a lovely film this is. Uh, I have to admit, Marty, it's tough to call this a Christmas film. It's set at Christmas. It was originally supposed to be released in Christmas, but it was actually released in June 
1984, the exact same day as the original Ghostbusters. Really? However, I think this is undeniably a Christmas film because of the setting and when people watch it. Mm -hmm. This film is not in any way a traditional Christmas film. It's not about happy families. It's not about being comfortable. This is a film full of murder and japes and trying to defeat an evil that is set upon the world by getting these uh, getting these bad boys wet, which makes them breed. <laughs> and they're feeding them after... Well, if you get them wet, more pop out. And then if you feed them after midnight, they turn into these horrible gremlins. And uh, these gremlins go on to kill a lot of people. They, do. they go on to destroy a lot of things. And literally the only way to defeat them is to expose them to sunlight. It's it's a tough tough time for the family, but they pull through. They uh, they get to the end, but um, it's it's one of those films that instead of it being traditionally about Christmas as much as it is set at Christmas, it's a film that every family has sat around and watched at Christmas. And I consider this a childhood film for me, but this film came out eight years before I was born. So it doesn't matter how old you were when you first see this film, but you will undoubtedly see it on TV at Christmas. You'll see it in the Christmas Guide. When everyone buys the Radio Times that one time a year at Christmas, you flick through, you look for Home Alone, you look for Gremlins, you look for Indiana Jones, you look for an original Star Wars, all these classic films you can watch together. But this is a fundamental Christmas film for me that I will watch every year. So you saw this when you were a kid? Yes. This is uh, 15? 13, PG-13. Well, I guess in America it's a 13. Here it would probably be... uh, 12a yeah i think so i I feel like it is a 15 here it is it is quite brutal to say the least in particular the moment when um one of the ways that the gremlins are um brutally murdered is in a blender Mm. and that's not for children at all funny really funny how they do it you know but there is the comedy aspect behind it but still someone getting sliced up in a blender is never nice even if it is a gremlin it was actually supposed to be a lot darker as well. There's one point where the uh, the main character's mother was supposed to be beheaded, and as he came into the house, they were supposed to bowl her head down the stairs at him. <laughs> so it's not a uh, it's not a clean cut Christmas film. This one. Oh, so we did that. Mm. Although it's it's really um it's really an interesting film because it's it's way before we had a lot of CGI. So all of the uh, all of the gremlins are done by animatronics. Yeah. And actually, the cast as much as um uh, Gizmo the Mogwai Mogwai by the way, which I think means demon in uh, Cantonese. Really. Yes. Um. Some, something along those lines. He was the most hated member of of the entire staff because he, where he was much smaller, his animatronics kept breaking. So throughout the film, it was up for the cast to decide all the bad things that would happen to him to make give them sort of some uh, some salvation for the the stress that the small oh. animatronic caused them. But they were, they had so much animatronics, so many animatronics through this film, including in terms of scenes where they wanted the uh, the Mogwai to be eaten. They had to have giant versions of his face with giant versions of food so that the animation could be detailed enough. Jesus. It's, it's just it's one of those really, really classic 80s films. It's so undeniably 80s. The fashion is everything and, and just the setting and, and the way it looks. and It's just a fantastic film and I, I absolutely love it. It's really enjoyable. I only saw this film a few years ago, to be fair. I'd never watched it. It was always one of those films on the to-do list, um, or the shame list, as you call it. And, uh, yeah, just by pure luck, I sat down with the wife and watched it and was really, really blown away by it. And, you know, Gizmo is adorable. You cannot help Mm -hmm. but fall in love with him. He's so cute. And even though he is the reason that all of this has happened, you can't help but just want to give him a cuddle. It's not his fault, though. Mm, I mean... If they'd followed the three rules, it would have been fine. You didn't have to. In fairness, at one point, one of them does get dunked in a swimming pool and a lot of them end up spawning, so it's not really... uh True. Not really Guzmo's fault. True, but yeah, he's he's really sweet and you just want to give him a cuddle. And he's so sweet that if he asked 
me for food after 12 I'd probably cave we'll we'll just put up with it yeah yeah no it's it's an adorable film and even like the practical effects are excellent you know when uh, when the new um, the new mogwai spawn off him they're those Mm -hmm. furry little balls it's literally just fur attached to a balloon that they inflate that's how they make it grow it's (laughs) it's so obvious when you know all this stuff it's so charming to watch and the noise Gizmo makes that little whistling noise it's so cute all of the uh, the Gizmo and the um, Gremlin lines were completely ad-libbed as well Really? But similar to what they did with Groot in um, Guardians of the Galaxy, they got actors to do it in different languages. Okay. So even though it's the same actor making the same noises, he'd do it sort of like accented or, or in a way that would make sense with that that um, that language. So yeah, really interesting. It comes across really well. And like you said, it's a massively enjoyable film. Spawned a sequel as well. Um, neither me or Dan have seen the film. Admittedly. No, although it's the director's preferred of the two. So mm. I'm going to give that a go this year. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's pop culture everyone knows who gizmo is even if you haven't seen gremlins i knew who gizmo was prior to seeing gremlins Mm. it's not something you necessarily have to have seen to know what it's about um because it's that it's that in pop culture but you're aware of the situation and the free rules you're aware of it even before you see the film as Mm. well Uh, which is an amazing achievement for any film but you don't have to see it to know what it's about indeed That is Dan's last choice, and that is the last choice of the year 2019. That's the end. Sad times. Are you sad, Marcy? Uh, yeah, I am. I love doing this show. It's fun, it's enjoyable, it's electric. But we will be back next year in the year 2020, which always sounds in far more futuristic. Sounds far more futuristic, and it's going to be exactly the same. But we will be back with different themes different guests although Dan will always be my reoccurring car host because he's good to look at and I carry the show let's be honest Marty. let's be honest he does but nonetheless Daniel once again Tar thanks very much thanks for very much for having me, me Marty, and have a I'm sure I'll see you again in the office tomorrow but have a very Merry Christmas yeah and to all our listeners and if you don't celebrate Christmas then enjoy some time off if you got it have a wonderful new year and we'll see you in 2020 he hit the nail on my head have a week have another week and maybe a few weeks after that, and I'll see you in the new year.